Hey everyone, it's Coach Megan here, and I have an extra special, extra special episode for y'all this week. Believe it or not, I allowed not one, not two, but three people of the male gender to be on the powerhouse lady boss pageantry podcast this week. Can you believe it? They must be pretty darn special individuals. In fact, they are. Today on the podcast, I have Mr. Landon Rhodes, Taylor Gage, and Nick Kastner on the podcast, and we are talking all about the past, present, and future best practices, where things are going of social media. It is so incredibly important. I tell my clients this literally every day. It's so important to know your brand. It's so important to know how to utilize social media because in the pageant world and in the business world, uh, the world of work and social media is really like the same, the same world. It's coming together more and more every single day. We need to know how we're representing ourselves and we need to know if you have goals of building a business, building a brand, things of that nature. It's really important to know what we can do to maximize our individual approaches and utilize the best practices of different kinds of social media. We talk about TikTok, we talk about Clubhouse, we talk about Instagram, and I know y'all are really, really, really going to love it. You're going to learn all about these guys. And then of course, yours truly, Miss Nebraska holds it down in there too. So can't wait to hear what y'all think. And uh, here are the boys, three boys and a Miss Nebraska talking about Let's Talk Social. Hey guys, my name is Landon and uh, you guys may have seen me on Spark to Fire. Um, If you're on uh, this podcast here, depending upon where you're listening to it, but a group of my friends and I all kind of got together and thought it'd be cool if we would all bring our unique perspectives of how social media, podcasting, and uh, just how the world is changing. Um, We're going to kind of put that together in one podcast. And so I want to start off by introducing myself. My name is Landon Rhodes. For those of you who don't know me, I started a social media video production and podcasting agency called Grindstone, which is where we're actually in our headquarters today. And uh, so we started that about two years ago, back in May of 18, and I've just been growing ever since. So started off with just kind of a laptop and a dream, and now we're approaching 14 team members coming up here in April of 2021. So exciting stuff coming from that. But uh, I just want to take a second to uh, let the rest of the group introduce themselves. So Taylor, you want to take it? Sure. Uh, My name is Taylor Gage. I am Director of Strategic Communications for Governor Ricketts and have been working with Governor Ricketts the last seven years to support his messaging and issue management and work every day with social media to help get our message out to the people of Nebraska um, and beyond. Awesome. I'm Megan Swanson and I'm the current Miss Nebraska USA and I own Powerhouse Pageantry. It's an interview consulting firm for girls competing in pageantry. We've been in business for five years and I'm starting to expand into more business endeavors and hope to continue to buy and sell businesses the rest of my life. I've also had a podcast for three years called the Powerhouse Podcast. Yes, Um, I am Nick Kastner. I have been podcasting for about two years. My show started as a project for a regional newspaper and then right as I when to launch the show, the newspaper dropped my project. So I um, just did it independently. And that kind of kind of morphed into a media production company. And that was re, uh, recently absorbed, absorbed by Herdat Media, which is a media company out of Omaha. And my new role with them is to promote the uh, promote the podcasts on their network. Uh, they have about 60 shows now. Some some regional specific others are or national audiences. So, and um, I use social media very, very intensely in doing that. So, yeah. 
And that's so you can see just from the the guests that we have around the table today, guys, that we've got a very unique perspectives. You've got somebody that's uh, is on the political side. You've got somebody that's talking way more to Gen Z specifically with Megan and Nick. Um, you know, like you guys are spending a lot of time on TikTok. You're spending a lot of time on Instagram um, where like our businesses are all kind of doing different things and we all have unique perspectives. So I want to like basically go through the bullet points that we're going to talk about today and then we'll start with number one. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the goodness of social media. There's constantly negativity being thrown around about social media. But one thing that people like to forget about is the fact that we're all on it all the time. <laughs> yeah, there must be something good. Okay, good. We got that out of the way. Um, number two, we're going to talk about best practices and goals when you're approaching social media. Number three, we're going to talk about emerging platforms. Number four, we're going to talk about fleeting attention and how certain platforms are becoming more censored and what that looks like in the future. And finally, we're going to talk about our vision for social media and how it's going to change year to year, kind of from 2021 and beyond. So I want to open up the conversation first about the goodness of social media. Um, and I'll give a little bit of... Uh, testimony myself as to what that's done for me. Like I have a business that's based around this, right? So social media, video production, podcasting, even web design, the majority of what you do online today um, is driving traffic to a website. Well, we're driving traffic from one place to another. It's whether it's a podcast that's displayed online that you can find on social media that you can find on the podcast app. And all of that ends up to being web traffic and then eventually results, which is revenue. You know, we're, we're hiring people. We're creating jobs with social media. Social media gets a lot of like shame. It gets a lot of negativity. But in reality, like it created so many jobs. And I'm sure there's a number based around that. But uh, I just think that that's one thing. It's, it's been able to help me help create jobs and then just overall like help me change my financial life. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same vein as Landon that my whole career has been around social media, that my first job was a social media manager for a pizza restaurant in, in downtown Lincoln. And, and since then, that's just um, like my career path has followed followed the trends of social media. Um, so, yes, I'm um, same vein as Landon that um, like what I do professionally would not look the same without social media. And then I it's also my source of entertainment. You know, I spend yeah. um, hours on TikTok every night watching watching stuff. Yeah. So it definitely sucks you in. Yeah. So uh, I have a similar story. Social media was something that I fell into when I was Miss Nebraska in the Miss America system six years ago. I was a baby, didn't know what I was doing. I had like 400 followers. And throughout that year, um, grew my social media to I think about 5,000 and then started my company with like $100 in my pocket working at a coffee shop the next year. And it was never my goal to start a company and be able to be an influencer or influence other people. But it's really cool to see how pushing myself in that way, I've definitely transformed. I think social media is really vulnerable. I mean, you put yourself out there, you're sharing a positive message. It's awesome for business, but also in my specific line of work, one of the, the coolest things I think that I've gotten to experience and even through podcasting specifically is the amazing testimonies of life transformation and just people who are listening to our podcasts, who are undergoing personal development and growing into who they've been created to be. And not to mention, you know, when you have a specific business that whether it's creating ads for a company or whether it's actually working more in like a life coaching perspective, which is what I do, you are, uh, social media is helping them from problem to solution. And we get to be a part of that every single day. So I know uh, seven years ago or nine years ago now, when I was struggling with an eating disorder, Instagram was the only way that I actually found out that I even had an eating disorder because there wasn't information mm. out there. So the goodness of social media has, I think, even provided the access um, and the low barrier of entry to knowledge that otherwise we may not have had access to. And I think that's been able to help a lot of people as well. 
I would say I, I came into social media just as it was starting to get uh, get big. My first year in college was the year that Facebook really um, opened up to the world and I grew along with social media platforms professionally. And in my current role in working with the governor's office, social media really helps us do two things. One is we get to hear from every part of the state. Um, one of the jobs of the governor is to listen to people across every region of the state, even the most rural parts of the state and the most urban parts of the state. And so we're constantly trying to make sure that we're spotlighting issues and um, taking care of people from every corner. Um, the second thing that helps us do is talk directly to people. We're in a changing media environment where traditional media look a lot different than they did even five or 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And social media really helps us speak directly to people um, every day. So cutting through the noise. Exactly. I think that's the the big takeaway from that is, you know, it's it's actually filterless, really. Um, and then that's we'll get into what that looks like to be censored um, down when we talk about fleeting attention and number four. But um, what was your guys's first social media platform? I'm curious. I think for me, it was Facebook. I remember I think it was the fall of 2006 when I got on Facebook for, for the first time. One of my college roommates uh, or friends had told me about it and I didn't really understand what it was and got on there. And that's back when you had to be in college and have a .edu email address. Whoa. Oh, actually yeah. Early on Facebook. Oh, six. Yeah. Man, that's right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And you would go on there every day and, you know, talk about what you had for lunch or where you <laughs> totally. were, yeah. totally. how you felt. Nothing's changed. And in a single yeah. sentence, it wasn't, you know, something where you literally took, you know, filters to photos and carefully scheduled out what you were, the content that you were producing. Mm-hmm. This was life unfiltered, but usually just in text with occasionally a camera phone photo that was pretty grainy at that time. Yeah, 100%. Samsung Hue camera photo. Is that what I'm, I'm sensing? Well, right I, there? You know, I don't remember the brand. I had, a, I had a Sprint phone that was like a flip phone at the Same. time that maybe had a so-so camera on it. It was not a good camera at all. Yeah, I had a pink flip phone that we called the brick for like ever. And it didn't even have a a, a camera on it. But my first um, social media platform was actually, if this is considered that, was like AIM back then when I was in fifth grade. Mm. I remember I would come home from Cotillion and when we had to dance with all the boys and I'd come home and I'd be like, I just met these people. I'm going to get their screen name and we're going to talk to them. Get your screen name. And uh, (laughs) obviously very cool in the fifth grade. And then MySpace came out And I remember when Facebook came along, I was like, no way this is ever going to be cooler. Like MySpace is it. I get to pick a profile song, my top five, all these things. And then I remember when when MySpace started to go away, I was just like so perplexed. And it's wild to think, you know, where we are now. Yeah, I'm going to really age myself with this answer. I don't remember AIM at all. The first time I've heard it. Um, So I got a Facebook page, I think in middle school, to uh, play Farmville. Nice. Bring it back. Yeah. Um, and my awesome. farm was killer. It was amazing. <laughs> Blueberries, um, watermelons, would you go? All the above. All, all the it? pumpkins, corn. Pumpkins and corn. Yes. That's where the yeah. Money comes um, for sure. And I wanted to play farm mill, so I got a Facebook page. That's and awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I had very similar story to that, though. Like, I remember. I remember being on Facebook early, like my sister just got the account. I skipped MySpace, skipped, uh, I had MSN Messenger instead mm. of AIM, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I remember, I remember getting that and be like, there's games on here. <laughs> <laughs> you got games on your phone? <laughs> I'm on, I can play games on the computer continually. Perfect. <laughs> and I remember getting my grandma into it too. My grandma definitely played Farmville for a hot second. Oh yeah. yeah that's, so that's cool. Um, what, what other, what other things do you guys think were, 
like the good things that you took away from social media kind of before we wrap up uh topic number one for goodness i'm just kind of curious um i think a especially facebook connecting with people um that like you're able to engage with old high school friends and and stay updated on on your connections lives and and careers and and um like personal journeys that that Mm -hmm. has been um, like that's what it was intended for and that has still uh, manifested itself today. So. Yeah. I think it created a whole new generation of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I think of like, so myself, I, I legitimately didn't know what the word entrepreneur meant till after college. I was a voice major, lived in Nashville pursuing the dream. Mm. And when I heard the the idea of entrepreneur, I saw a $137,000 check on a family's desk that I was nannying. And I was like, how does he do that? And so I think about now and running a completely online business for the past five years over Instagram mostly, but like I have a music degree. So in what world would I have had access to that level of business knowledge, joining Facebook groups, you know, finding like-minded people, even finding those mentors that I could hire to help me. None of that would have happened without social media. And now I've been able to extend a legacy and transform the lives of other people. And they're going to transform lives of other people, you know, achieving their dreams. So you think of that whole thread, that whole cycle of like, who I influenced, who influenced me and the whole, like, you know, however, forever, forever that that extends to none of that would have existed without social media at all. Yeah. Just kind of touching on what Nick said, you know, I think it's kind of trite that we always talk about how social media connects people. I have a whole bunch of friends in Japan who I love to keep up with, but to talk to them, it's the middle of the night here Mm -hmm. and really to keep up with their lives day to day. Facebook is how I do it. And that's how, that's how I can best stay connected with them and really see how, see how life is going. Um, Mm. and the same for them, for me. Um, I think the other thing that I've really, that's really benefited my line of work is you're able to get a broader array of stories out there with social media, traditional media cover things that they're interested on, interested in, or that their institution may have interest in. And Facebook and Twitter have really helped level the playing field and allowed you to really deliver the content and deliver stories around people's interests that may not always center on what traditional media outlets have wanted to put a focus on. Mm, absolutely. And the delivering it directly to the constituent, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that's the, that aspect has completely changed all political com- communications in the mm-hmm. last decade, that you're not going through like te- uh, television or like the traditional media that, mm-hmm. that whatever message you want, you can deliver it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, on the flip side, when something does well on social media, it does turn into news now. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing more and more of that um, in how much journalists use Twitter in particular to help develop the reporting because mm-hmm. um, they're watching that. They're on these platforms just like you and us, you and me. And um, we're seeing that they use these platforms to help develop their stories and plan their coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of like crowdsourcing to understand what's mostly what's most important. You know, you're, you're just like, if, uh, like, honestly, great journalism, uh, you know, obviously they want the breaking stories. They're going to want to break the story to be yeah. for that. Yep. But in terms of just like covering it to make sure it continues to get more covered, that's the, one of the best ways, obviously, is just like analyzing what is blowing up on social media right now on a local basis, national and regional. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I, I like how this conversation is transitioning because it's obviously really positive and really um, opportunistic. And I think that's the next thing we should talk about is. What are the best practices and um, the, kind of the goals with that you guys have with social media? Um, go ahead and uh, start us off, Nick. Oh, okay, put me on the hot seat. Um, so I, um, I guess, have a channel or, or medium that 
I'm, I, I'm the Commonwealth is that first podcast that that I like own and operate, and that is in partnership with my employer. Um, so, um, I to me that can be kind of confusing, but I think that makes sense. Um, and my goal with the Commonwealth is to grow an audience to the size of which I can support myself, that I can read ads and sell merch and and all of that. That that that's my full time gig. Um, and then. It, that will take quite some time to grow. And in the meantime, I am, I'm helping other people grow, grow their audiences. Um, so that I would say is my like broad goal. And then uh, for a more short term one, um, for more short term goals, I, um, am doing a lot with TikTok and Twitter and, and, um, Instagram with all these different, um, shows I'm working on. So those are, um, I guess both the short term and then the overall long, long term vision for it. I have a lot of goals when it comes to social media. <laughs> um, actually, you know, Landon and I were geeking out over some stuff yesterday of even just Omaha. And we found this like gold mine of different influencers that were like, these people live here, like all these people with hundreds of thousands of followers. And mm. so sometimes even just doing research of what's in your own backyard, it's yeah. so cool to watch other people thriving mm. and other people in niches that maybe you have absolutely no um, natural connection to yourself, but they're like so passionate about it. Like I saw a girl who's like this killer quilter and I'm like, get down with your bad self. Like I can't do any of that, you know, 14, but 14,000 followers, literally in like 90,000. And I'm like, Omaha, oh, like, how do I not know you, you know? And, uh, so that's a whole different conversation. I just think how, you know, people can really make a living for themselves. Like you're talking about through being passionate mm -hmm. about something. Um, and that's kind of my first point is I think a really great way that I have been able to, to grow and, and just enjoyed growing my social media following is I've just really tried to be authentic throughout the process. And I think that's something that we've actually really seen during quarantine. You know, I think why TikTok blew up so much is because families a lot of times capitalize on what was going on. And again, it lowered that barrier to entry again of like us getting to see celebrities in their home and like, mm -hmm. what do they do and what do they look like without makeup on and all these different things. I very much think that the consumer is getting smarter and smarter and smarter and they don't want this like polished, like fake advertisement anymore. Um, I talk with a lot of my girls, even that I coach about how they might have three to 5,000 followers and they can start getting brand deals even now and getting free product or even getting paid because, um, the trust level of people who are micro influencers actually have a lot more clout sometimes than the ones with millions of followers, because people are like, Oh, you know, that's the sugar bear hair again. That's the whatever, like that, that seems fake to me. And, and consumers really, really want the real. So I'm trying to promote that in my own company. That's very much who I am as a person, you know, even in the pageant world, like I have makeup on like maybe one to two days a week. And I had somebody message me the other day, like, oh my gosh, this is so counterintuitive. Like you're not what I thought a pageant girl was. And I'm like, good, because now it gives, you know, you a, a, an implementation to be able to hear what I have to say, mm -hmm. not just what I look like. And I think we can do that in a lot of different industries to make headway. Mm -hmm. For uh, my work in the governor's office, we're really focused on a couple things. One is making sure that we're relating the work of the state to the everyday concerns of Nebraskans. And so uh, this week we're uh, focused on a number of things ranging from whether it's vaccine deployment to mm. we're celebrating supermarket employee, supermarket employee week. And we're con there's a constant uh, different churn of themes, uh, whether it's on a daily or weekly basis that you're going to see. And it really helps us uh, get more dimension to the different subsets of audiences across the state that have significant concerns, but concerns that maybe aren't always covered by traditional media mm -hmm. just because of lack of space or lack of bandwidth. Um, when it comes to the traditional outlets that you would read or watch. 
The other thing we're really focused on, and I, I'll talk more about this later, is diversifying. In this ever-changing world of social media, we're really working to make sure that we're di- diversifying the platforms that we're on and also making sure that we are talking to traditional media, using email properly, uh, to make sure that we're reaching all Nebraskans across the state, uh, really, because what you're seeing is more and more, I think, a fragmenting of how um, how many people are on each platform, and you're finding people are migrating to different platforms um, to meet the needs that and the goals they're searching for. Hmm. I'd say... Uh, we're kind of on the the route of goals right now. And I would say my goal uh, with social media would be to consistently grow a following so I can continue to impact people uh, positively through my podcast, Spark to Fire, and just uh, by growing the businesses. So the, the businesses that I'm involved with, you know, I've got several different investments outside of Grindstone, but want to continue to just grow those because I know that like ultimately the the more opportunity and the more revenue that comes our way, we're going to do great things with it. We're going to give mm-hmm. people jobs. We're going to um, give people more importantly, like careers, you know, places like they'd love to come to work. Um, and I think that ultimately like that is the end goal of what I want to get accomplished with the social media is just impacting more people, giving people a great place to work. And then also just like helping grow our clients' businesses. Um, ultimately, like that's the, the polished goal of it. And, and then personally, it's just building an audience so that I can, you know, I can go speak eventually, go to, uh, you know, but no one cares until you have clout. And that's that, that's a really important takeaway for anybody that wants to grow a podcast, anybody that wants to, mm-hmm. um, you know, come, go be a public speaker. Like nobody cares about anything of what you've done until you've got clout. Mm-hmm. And that means going through the, you know, the trials of interviewing like 50, 100, 200 people mm-hmm. um, before you're, you're getting to that point to where somebody that maybe wouldn't have looked at you before will come back and be like, yep, I'll do your podcast. You've had 200 to practice on mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at the, at the baseline level. And then it, it gets even more aggressive. I would say in the business level, when you're trying to give business advice, when you're trying to be a consultant somewhere, um, they're going to want to see those really tangible results. And I think social media is a really good way to showcase those humbly without like sounding, you know, coming off as braggadocious or something like that, but more just like giving, you know, giving your customers an opportunity to talk about how great you are mm-hmm. via testimonials. I think those are some things that um, I really want to continue to make a goal in my life for social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the um, I, two things on that. First, it definitely takes time. Uh, um, building an audience is, is most of the time it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and then Megan, question for you. Um, so I think of like the pageant world is super like polished. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go and advise people on like being their authentic self, mm-hmm. um, how, like what advice do you give to like, to kind of remove some of that polish and, and, and like accomplish that. I'm so glad you asked. So (laughs) I, so I deal specifically with the interview portion of competition and on stage questions. So I literally am like the coach making sure you don't end up on YouTube tomorrow. And so what I tell girls, and this is good for anybody listening, just if you're building a personal brand or you're the CEO of a company, you know, whatever, again, the consumers are getting smarter. So in our case, a judge, I always talk about how pageants are like dating. Business is also like dating. You don't walk in And, you know, you say you're on a first date and this guy sits down and he's like, I went to Harvard. Right. And he's like telling you his whole laundry list of all these accomplishments, (laughs) but he never actually lets his guard down, never is vulnerable with you, never actually says, asks you the the questions that you want to be asked, shows interest. It's just I'm all buttoned up and my resume says that I'm perfect, but I leave like literally hating you and never wanting to see you again. So I tell my pageant (laughs) girls that, too. And I'm like, yo when you have like 10 minutes or sometimes two minutes with a judge, or this is in business, right? Or in social media, you have a one minute reel or 30 second reel, one minute TikTok. Your actual vulnerability is what breeds connection. 
and you being your authentic self. It's not, it doesn't matter if I'm like, I got a 4.2 GPA. I started this nonprofit when I was seven years old, you know, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Cause pageant girls are super, super successful. I've helped like 16 year olds that are starting nonprofits. Like they're amazing, but still at the end of the day, I'm like, so is everybody else you're competing against. Mm-hmm. So when you actually present your authentic self and there's only one version of you and you, you have the only, you know, there's only one of your story when you're actually real about that, that's what cuts through and actually shows you who your audience is. That's how you make the judges like you. And so I've, I've really, really enjoyed translating that to social media and teaching people how to build their personal brands. And they, and I call it polarization factor. So the strength of a magnet is actually that it has a positive and a negative side. It's not that it's kind of positive and like kind of negative. No, it's, it's absolutely positive. And when it, when it finds that other negative attraction, you know exactly what that's supposed to go with. Right. Mm-hmm. And we need to do that on social media as well. And the neutrality is where people are like, well, I don't really have an opinion yeah. if I should follow you yeah. or not. I don't know. That's so I always exactly tell people right. actually be polarizing. It's how you find your tribe. And how do you like, I guess, develop that and, and even if you could like share your, your personal example, because I'm I'm yeah. I'm sure you have that written down. Yeah. I mean, that that's like a whole probably another 60 minute conversation. <laughs> that's what people pay me the big bucks for. Yeah. Powerhousepageantry.com. No. <laughs> no, but uh, I share a lot of that on my podcast. So a lot of it has to do with um, you know, learning how to be a doer. Um, not just a reader. I think a lot of times we think that learning equals action and it's not, those are two different things. Mm -hmm. And then just a lot of testing. Like you have to get comfortable with failing. You have to get comfortable with the fact that your first IG live is going to suck. And like three people are going to watch it and you're going to get zero feedback. Um, but in that process, you're testing your process, you're growing your credibility, you're getting results and you know, failure isn't good or bad. It's just results. So if you continue to get those results, then you'll have a bunch of them. And then if you have good people around you who are saying, Hey bro, like this maybe ain't it for you. Like this isn't your, your gift, your genius zone. You'll continue to find what is. And I think your brand kind of develops on its own. Interesting. Very insightful. Really good. Yeah. I, I, I love what you said, um, specifically about polarization. Mm-hmm. I so believe in that. Like I don't, I don't, I don't practice that near enough. And I'm, that's something that I'm going to try and do a little bit better job of with my social media is really not being afraid to just like say, honestly, if you're not my people, like get away from me. There's it's enough fine. people. There's like there's 8 enough, billion people enough, in the world. Almost. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, someone was talking about like what our, our former president was uh, really good at is becoming polarizing. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's no question that like in love him or hate him, there was never in between right. people. Yeah. Um, and the, and then you could probably segment that down to policy comparatively to mm-hmm. <laughs> political action or how he treated Twitter. Um, but you know, like, I think that was, that was a really good point is like polarization is probably going to be like how people should approach. Um, th- they should be approaching it a little bit more like that than they, than they used to, because 100%. not that I'm going to say you need to go out there and you need to be an absolute psycho on mm-hmm. social media, but mm-hmm. you do need to like stand for something. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what it comes down to for a better strategy in 2021 overall Mm -hmm. that's not you know like that's a really nice like outside feeling perspective but Mm -hmm. what advice do you guys have from a tactical standpoint on social media yeah so megan just touched on this um and my big thing is start if you want to have a career in podcasting you have to start making a podcast if you want to have a music career you have to make music and you're uh, at the start it won't be very good but you'll learn and tweak and, and grow along the way and then then when you look back on the journey, you'll think, oh, at the start I sucked, but I am here today because I started. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This might be something that other people disagree with, which is totally cool with me. But one thing I really wish I would have done earlier was hire the right mentors and the right mentors are going to be expensive, but work at a coffee shop, work two jobs, you know, work at your job during the day and your dream at night. 
and it's worth it. I mean, if you can gain access to the people, which I think we're going to talk about clubhouse later is one of the greatest things about clubhouse, right? Mm -hmm. Um, a blessing and a curse. Cause you can go 23 hours a day on that thing. But if you can find access, which again is what social media does, especially during quarantine, I DM so many people who have like over a hundred thousand followers and we're on my podcast just cause they're bored at home, like yeah. seizing on an opportunity, mm -hmm. taking action, literally the easiest thing I've ever done. And some of my heroes, I stayed at one of their houses in Florida last week and like crazy, didn't even know them a year ago. That's a whole different story. Um, but just finding those mentors and being willing to have a vision for what you want and knowing that they're the answer from problem to solution. And if they've already done what you want to do, why would you try and reinvent the wheel? It's worth the five grand that you're going to spend. And I've even spent five grand on my first mentor, ran off with my money. Like, and it was terrible. I was 23 years old, spent my life in like some of my life insurance, the bonds that my grandparents had saved up for me. They had just passed away. It was horrible. But you know, am I going to sink or swim? Am I going to be like, well, entrepreneurship doesn't work. Or am I going to be like, yo, maybe that was a dumb decision because you're 23. <laughs> and we kept going. And now I had two other mentors that are amazing. And I've more than made my money back, you know, which everybody will if you continue to take action. So yeah, well, I guess I would just uh, say one of the most important things in my world is to have substance. If you go, mm. go through mm. almost any political figure, public fig figures page, and you look at what performs well, and it's it's not gonna be 100% consistent, mm -hmm. but look at what performs well, you're gonna see that when people take a stand that has substance behind it, that so it's good. gonna perform well on social media. And when you take that time to develop your brand around, particularly if you're if you're a political figure, you're gonna have key issues that are, people are gonna identify you with, and you take time to develop that over time, you're going to see that start to ring true with your following more and more and more. And uh, so if you just go look through governors from across the nation, and it's true across party lines, it's not true just for one party or the other, but you'll see that uh, the folks who are substantive and have identified their top five issues that they're going to uh, take on mm. that they're going to do really well when they, when they go to those issues on social media. Mm. Taylor, so that was good. the biggest word that was said on this podcast in this Sorry. podcast room ever. That was really good. Substantive. I'm not even going to try. I just sort of break the ice with that a little yeah. bit. I but no, I, I think you're, I think you're really right about that. It's the people with substance uh, and, and the people that are willing to, okay, make a stand, but also have substance behind what you're saying. Yep. If you make a stand and no one, trust you and you have nothing behind you mm -hmm. what's yeah. the point but when mm -hmm. you like stand on that ground and you know you plant your flag there mm -hmm. there's got to be a reason for that you got to know who you are yeah, yeah. you got to know who you are and yeah. i think that's you know we're, we're, we're giving tactical tactical advice around social media right now and i mm -hmm. think that understanding your audience is something that is kind of a buzz phrase that gets mm -hmm. thrown out a lot mm -hmm. like you really do need to get your audience but mm -hmm. i don't think people take near enough time to really like dissect them and understand like really what do they care about and yes. then that comes down to like analytics when you're looking at your platform like okay that post overperformed i think we need to do a better job of like asking ourselves why why yep. did it overperform was it timing was it uh really good creative was it because it was a facebook or excuse me was it because it was a uh, tall vertical video with you know like facetime video mm. was it because i put captions on and it was my podcast uh, short form video was it purely purely content and no matter how i put it out there it would have won yeah. I think those are the questions you have to ask yourself from a like quantitative perspective and then qualitative ask, okay, what did I talk about and how was my delivery? Mm -hmm. And then how do I continue to emulate that delivery? Like I just watched Nick's video the other day where 
he had uh, single point captions. So with every single word he said, he had one word on the screen, but they're like, boom, 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 like mm. as you talk. And like, I know that performed really well for you because I saw it on like three feeds. So mm. I know. <laughs> but like, I want to see it. That, that's yeah. another like really tactical thing. You know, I heard Dan Fleischman talk about this and Dan Fleischman was like a, uh, um, he's a brilliant social media marketer. He was a consultant to the Kardashians um, when it came to like growing social media for them. And obviously they have their own empire, but he has several businesses that are dedicated to helping influencers reach more people. And he talked about how there's some people that are like, okay, we can't post the same thing to multiple platforms. Mm. He completely like disagrees with that. And I thought mm. that was so, so interesting. And the one cleavage that he does add to that is the fact that you should make sure that the nuances of that post are spoken, you know, to mm. that platform. For mm -hmm. instance, don't put a horizontal video on TikTok. Not a good idea. Don't put, you know, a horizontal video on Instagram when you could do a tall video, four by five video, like those little kind of creative things or don't say, you know, don't paste the link in your Instagram uh, caption because nobody can click on the Classic. You can't even, <laughs> copy, you can't even <laughs> copy paste it. Yeah. So there's nothing you can do there. But like, and then that's the true sign of someone that's not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you want to get like solid at social media, whether it's a business or a personal account, like mm -hmm. you have to pay attention to those nuances and you need to be first one to know and talk about it. So mm -hmm. another great example would be um, LinkedIn. So LinkedIn organic reach is insane right now. I think we all know that around the room, except Megan, because she talks to people that are not on LinkedIn. <laughs> they're barely on Facebook, y'all. <laughs> Literally, I try and get them in a Facebook group, and they're like, "But I'm 14. I hate Facebook. That's for old people. Like they think Instagram's for old people. I'm like, God bless. And then what? you say wow. LinkedIn, they're like, "What's LinkedIn?" Literally, they're only on TikTok and Snapchat. And Instagram, even or no? Barely, old barely, barely. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So. Wow. Prime it's example, a whole thing. Prime example, Working though, but it. like if you're not on LinkedIn, I'm not on LinkedIn, you're not on LinkedIn, we're making a huge mistake because no. of who we're trying to talk to. Mm -hmm. And like one thing that they just changed it to like make sure that the media stayed on the platform is when you paste a link. So say I go to grindstoneagency.com and I drop that link in there for our for our website. It actually switched to, switches the URL. It does like a bit.ly transformation and goes from grindstoneagency.com to linked.in.co line of code. Hmm. Wow. So it shortens it and they keep it on LinkedIn's uh, feed wow. now. So just, and, and what that does, it's actually a really good thing for you or for everybody because LinkedIn used to penalize you for sending traffic off of their website because like what they're, they're sitting there thinking like, we don't want people to leave. Mm -hmm. Why don't we just keep them on? Mm -hmm. But they came to like a common ground where it's fine. We'll just open up a browser within that post and then you still see you're on LinkedIn and so they're still getting the web traffic. Mm -hmm. wow. You're also still getting the web traffic. Or you're not getting nearly as much, but they're still looking at your actual right. page. So I think that's that's one little tactical thing. Like you have to pay attention to that sort of stuff when you're trying to get better at social media. It's the tactical changes that are happening every single day. iOS 14 drops like this week or like next week. I think it's six more days or so. And there'll be a brand new update with iOS 14 that's going to completely screw up everyone's analytics. Like mm. those are the things that people have to be looking into if they want to be successful, mm. they want to run social for somebody else. I know mm -hmm. we have a ton of people that listen that want to do that. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm sure you're, 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 uh, the pageant girls that are looking at this, listening to this, they're thinking like, what can I do? I'm really good at social media. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I could be a social media manager mm -hmm. just because you are pretty and have a following does not make you a social media manager at all. Yeah. Like you're a dude and you have six pack abs does not matter. Mm -hmm. That does not make you a social media manager because you built a following. Mm -hmm. You have to have tactical knowledge of like what is going to help other people grow, mm -hmm. not just myself grow. Yeah. yeah. And if I can add to that. So backing up a couple steps, though, to encourage people who 
might be on very different parts of their journey. So maybe you're watching this and you've not started a business yet. You're still in college. You have dreams. You're like, I, or maybe I, I know I'm not called to college. I don't want to waste 120 grand on something. I don't know what I want to do, but what the heck do I do? And how do I get started talking kind of back to learning how to take action, identity, those kinds of things. I would encourage people that don't allow the barrier of, I don't know everything to paralyze you from taking action because massive imperfect action is the way that you learn everything and anything. So you are going to make mistakes on the link that you put at the bottom of the thing. That's how Mm -hmm. you learn, right? Somebody messages you and you're like, you spelled this wrong. You did this wrong. You, whatever. Learning how to take feedback, um, learning how to take constructive criticism, learning how to be wrong are all things that successful people become very comfortable with. And they learn to have a stronger backbone than their wish you know, that kind of a thing where you have so many people, even in Gen Z today, that were like, oh, this looks awesome. My friend Tommy got famous on TikTok tomorrow. So now that's my new life goal. Well, I was listening to um, actually the number one TikToker like ever, who's like 18 and owns like 100 businesses already. Who is that? And his name's Josh something. Richards. Was, Love Josh. Richards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and he was talking <laughs> about what he had to do and how hard he hustled and literally the tactical side of everything. Yeah. And he hired mm-hmm. his sister, who was two years older <laughs> than him, to literally go in a bunch of comments and comment on all the most famous TikTokers um, in their comment section and he would comment and like them. And it was totally, you know, whatever for like months. And then finally he blew up to a positioning where he didn't have to. Um, but still he took thousands of tiny little actions all the time. And then eventually that has a snowball effect and you continue to learn. And I think if you stay open, um, then those things happen. And then part two of that is I get a lot of girls coming to me all the time that are like, well, I don't even know what I'm interested in. And so what I always encourage them in is I say, what makes you mad? What keeps you up at night? You know, what, what do you find yourself scrolling through? And I think a lot of times we put a limiter on our brain because they're like, well, this isn't what any of my friends like. This isn't what my family knows anything about. I'm like, well, but are you passionate about it? Does this light a fire in you? Mm -hmm. And so just taking off any of the boundaries of like, well, I can't make a name for myself in this. Like I said, if the freaking quilter can have 90,000 followers from Omaha, Nebraska, pretty sure you can do anything. I mean, like some of us follow the weirdest people in the world. And sometimes that's actually the easiest thing to blow up because go become the best in this tiny little micro niche that no one else cares about and get down with your bad self. You know, I have an example of one of the weirdest accounts to follow. I have to find it. Go ahead. Nick. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> um, I also think it's helpful at the start thinking about creating something that doesn't already exist. Mm-hmm. Like, like what do I want to consume? And that can be a, um, a pretty good place to start. And Josh Richards is a pretty good example of this. Um, there are some instances where people posted one TikTok or one mm-hmm. twi- tweet and that that piece of content went viral and it changed their life overnight. Offer, uh, operate under the uh, the assumption that that's not going to happen to you. Right. Yeah. Um, and Josh Richards now has 60 million TikTok followers, I think, and has, you know, the whole line of business and um, has a partnership with Barstool. Um he he was a very early adapter on when it was musically and for four years he grew he grew it to a point that it has 60 million followers and it did not come like that right yeah great point did you find jan erickson do you guys know who that is i will now jan erickson he has let's see let's look at the total follower count you're talking about things that uh okay 767,000 followers and his primary business or his primary content stream on Instagram is popping balloons. Wow. <laughs> Literally. Who yeah. You've seen the guy that like yeah. swings the ax mm-hmm. and, it, yeah. and it pops the balloon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all seen it because it's insane. And that's we're like, how is he that famous? That's the guy. He's blue check certified. Yeah. Jay no Harrison. way. Wow. Blue, oh blue check Goals. certified. <laughs> and, uh, and, but like that dude is just weird naturally. 
He's going to yeah. do that whether you're paying attention yeah. or not. Right. He just yeah. happened to pay attention. Yeah. Super weird dude. Yeah. But he stuck with it. And, and like, if he can stick stick with something like that, mm-hmm. you can come up with something that, mm-hmm. I mean, 1% better than that. And you should be able to build a following, build yep. an audience. And I, did, um, I think I want to like go back and say like, I don't discourage people that have a following that want to become social media managers. I think it's the um, like making sure that there's not some sense of like, I know more than a business person totally. because I've built this following. Yeah. Because there's people on the sad reality of Instagram with people that have a ton of followers or someone that has 20 million followers on TikTok is if they're not getting paid for like the actual viewership on their account, there was a lady, I think it was like, she was, had like 3 million followers and she was trying to sell a t-shirt and she like sold 10. Yeah. 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 Like, has anyone heard that story before? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. 3 million mm-hmm. people, captive audience, but there was so little understanding of how it works with business and how it works mm-hmm. with people mm-hmm. that she was, you know, hundred percent relying on looks. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's so much more than that. And, mm-hmm. and so whatever that one thing that you have, that's getting all of the attention, whether it's your looks, whether it's, you know, it's comedy or whether it's, you know, something else that you have, maybe it's the deep level of expertise. Mm-hmm. Just keep in mind that ha- that has to translate into business has to translate mm-hmm. to a transaction. If you actually want to make a career. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the TikTok accounts I manage uh, was just accepted in the creators fund last week. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok has a handful of accounts that they pay directly for viewership. Um, and on the outside looking in, that seems like the whole like a, a huge, um, huge thing to celebrate. And then once I got in the weeds in terms of in terms of service, they pay two to three cents per thousand views. Mm. So that's really even um, we one of our views had one point seven million um one of our videos had 1.7 million views, um, but for at two cents a view or um, at two cents per thousand views, that's really not that much money. That 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 audience has to segue and be monetized mm-hmm. with additional revenue streams, mm-hmm. which right. is, yeah, which is exactly what you were saying. That just because you have three million followers does not mean mm-hmm. that you're you know set up for success. It's it's more complicated than that. Yeah, and then the whole like having a personal, if you have a personal account with an audience, it is very it's very different running a business account or an or an account for a brand than posting things on your own 100 yep. percent. yep and talk i know we're going to talk about emerging platforms in a little bit i just interviewed um like the number one tiktok coach in the world robert benjamin on my podcast a couple weeks ago and he was talking about exactly that where he's like people's number one problem is they get all these views and they have no idea how to give a call to action like mm-hmm. literally just simply being like hey click this link in my bio or like offering something yep. or yeah. creating a t-shirt line because you know that you get all these views um to your point land and there's so many people that just are really great at maybe doing the influencer part of it, but they need skilled business owners. And like you were saying, that's where actually having the substance of that is always going to pull through in any market. Yeah. And for us, I, it looks a little different when you're working, uh, representing the state, but mm-hmm. one of the, probably the most powerful, uh, period of growth that I've seen on social media for the state of Nebraska was during the flooding. Mm-hmm. Uh, well now almost two years ago. Yeah in 2019 Mm -hmm. and people had a huge hunger for information about what was going on in their community uh, because the floods were constantly changing and evolving depending on where they lived in the state, how far downriver they were. And Facebook honestly was probably one of the things that not only helped the state share information that kept people safe, but also helped communities and even neighbors do it and helped people identify needs that honestly kept people alive. And mm-hmm. so 
Uh, one of the things that we will do, not just when, when there's a flood, but if we have, say, like an Amber Alert or whatever, we'll ask people to take action. And people do take action when there's a public safety need. And you'll see it happen time and again. That's really cool. That must be really cool to see that, like, from, from like, the backside of that. If, like, you do, like, say something is, as horrible as, like, an Amber Alert. Like, like actually seeing someone take action on that and be like, mm-hmm. yep, I've got him. I, you know, yeah. I-80 heading west. Like, I saw that vehicle, right? I think that's that's a really cool thing to uh, to be able to see that from the back end. Yeah, you don't have to wait till the 10 o'clock news anymore to get the word out. Absolutely. People yeah. will see it instantaneously, yeah, and which they'll, and they'll share makes it. a huge difference. I mean, the sooner that information gets in people's hands, the faster you can bring people to safety. So cool. I think we've dropped a ton of value from, like, best practice, mm-hmm. mindset, goals, um, all of those things. But I want to talk about emerging platforms uh, next here. Uh, I think we should just get this one out of the way right away is Clubhouse. I think everyone in this room is excited about Clubhouse. I think I invited you. Did I invite you? You invited me, and I'm I'm still waiting in slowly, but I'm very excited about its potential. I thought you were about to tell me you didn't accept my request. And if you know Clubhouse, I've actually I've actually extended an invite deal. to someone else as well. I'm passing <laughs> wow. the level along. I haven't even done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I asked Landon for an invite, and he was out of invites. So <laughs> definitely, I have yeah. one left. Yeah. Yeah. There was you. Can, I'm, I'm on it now. There's like yeah. every, everybody that gets in a clubhouse, there's like this white hot time and you're like, I can invite 14 friends right now. Yeah. And then none of them can get in because you don't have the invite. It's like, it's like if they would give you just like a little spike of invites and then drop that back mm-hmm. down right, right. again. But I, I understand why they're doing it. And then um, Paul, Jared actually talked about the growth model uh, behind it. And he, and I don't have the exact specifics, but if you guys want to Google this, it's the growth model behind clubhouses, like genius model, which is, invite only. Mm-hmm. Obviously it creates a premium experience. It creates exclusivity. Um, there's, there's a lot of reasons that they're doing that for that reason. Um, for anyone that hasn't uh, ventured on the platform, basically it's drop in audio chat rooms. Um, think of a Facebook group and a podcast, a live podcast or live broadcast show had a baby. And it's just this live chat room of everyone just like talking. Mm-hmm. Um, Discord is something a lot of people are comparing mm-hmm. it to. And basically, like, it's a chance for people to, and you can pull people in. Imagine, you know, imagine going to, um, like, a Tony Robbins conference or, you know, to go see Elon Musk speak, Mm. like, something that you would pay thousands of dollars for. You can literally just, like, tune into this app and then hear Elon's voice like you're on a phone call with him. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a really cool uh, thing for a lot of people, just, like, the star power of that. Mm -hmm. But then Mm -hmm. on a more tactical level, like, I legitimately learned things. I was obsessed with Clubhouse for, like, five days straight and then I realized like the hangover happened and I'm just like oh wow I just wasted five days of my life on this platform and I didn't feel like it was entirely a waste but I was I was like typing I would keep clubhouse open and I was like okay all right oh that's pretty good and I would get completely distracted Mm -hmm. and then I would hop in a room and I completely get why people want to grow an audience there it grows quickly it's awesome Mm. I just like at this point in my career I don't feel like at least and I want to hear what you guys think but I don't feel like I have the time to actually put into that for the mm-hmm. intention right now. Yeah. I don't know. I would say I had the same thing happen like for three days. And then two things I want to say. One, I think we have to be really honest about, is that where my market is? And is that number two, is that the number one goal of my company right now? So we, we only have a limited attention span and we only have a fixed amount of hours in the day. So for example, if I was a business consultant or I was a sales coach full time and I was hunting down 
entrepreneurs that that were online business owners or whatever, that they were my customer, absolutely I'd be on Clubhouse 24-7 because that's where they're all hanging out. I can, can It has their Instagram on there. I know where they are. I can send them a quick DM. Organic marketing, easy. But since that's not my main goal, and I do have a lot of Gen Z people on my pod, you know, everything who are my clients, there's literally, there's not no reason, but I need to get very honest about, okay, if this is for me and I'm listening at the gym, awesome. If it's part of my morning routine, awesome. But also because Clubhouse if you all have been on, like they last like four hours if they have the big wigs on it. And I'm like, yo, I literally don't have that kind of time. Yeah. I can't. So that's my perspective right now. Yeah. Um. So I would say I've been on a handful of times and checked out rooms and the, the exclusive access is the thing that really drew me in. Um, I was I was in a room with Gary Vee was speaking mm-hmm. and there were like 50 other people there. I was like, how am I in one in 50 with Gary Vee? Yeah. Um, and then I was also sat in a room where it was like Facebook execs and New York Times journalists yelling at each other. Um, which was just an interesting dynamic. Cool. Yeah, um, yes. Um, I've yet to host a room, that. and I know um, Landon and Megan hosted a room with a group of other like it's entrepreneur yeah. leaders in Nebraska. How, yeah. how did that go? Awesome. It's so easy. Like It's literally mm-hmm. just this, what we're doing around the table right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's an mm-hmm. audience, a live audience listening. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly clear audio. I've been really impressed with just like throwing in your AirPods and how clear the audio is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just like pass the torch and make, make the right people moderators, uh, so they can let people into the chat. And, um, you know, I, I love the Q and a aspect of it. So like when somebody, you pose the question of what are your, what are you hacking on this week to get better at clubhouse or to grow your following on clubhouse? There is several rooms dedicated to that. There's people that are dying for that information because mm-hmm. they want to really expand their audience. And that's how, that's how it happens. The craziest thing I would say about Clubhouse though is my Instagram growth. I grew mm. my Instagram on, like when I was spending all that time on Clubhouse, I grew my Instagram by like 150 people in a couple of days. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Like wow. organic people that are engaging with my stuff still, mm-hmm. which is wild. I mean, wow. that, it, that doesn't happen for me. Might happen for Megan at mm-hmm. like 40,000 followers or whatever she has. But, <laughs> um, it does not happen to me. So um, that has been my experience with Clubhouse so far. Mm. I think in my limited time with Clubhouse, I think it, it's going to be successful for a couple of reasons. One is when it comes to learning and self-development, people are craving long for, long format mm-hmm. uh, programming, and that's why podcasts have become so successful. Yep, It's why you're seeing other longer formats take off. And I think the other thing is freedom. Um, the reason why plat- or some of the early platforms in social media were so successful is because they provided a free platform where you could say just about anything. And mm-hmm. I think that you're gonna see other platforms take off in a similar manner, um, like Clubhouse. Uh, Clubhouse may not be the only one, probably mm-hmm. won't be the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really not gonna be the last. And I think people are craving that as well. I agree. I think Gab is another one that is in there that's growing. It's a desktop only platform right now. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to be basically the answer to Facebook censorship. So I know mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about that in a little bit too, but. Um, Gab is awesome. Go secure your username. I got Megan Swanson is pretty cool. Um, and it, there's a lot of really funny people on there as well, but yeah, it's a direct response to basically, um, and not just one like political party either. It's for everybody who just values free speech and, um, wants to offer an alternative to what's going on. So it's not monetized yet, no ads yet, but I'm sure that'll be coming. Taylor, what does it take when a platform emerges like this? Um, how do you think through of if it makes sense for the poli- for a politician to to migrate it m- migrate to it? Hmm. Yeah, Good so question. that's a great question, Nick. So we really have tried to take a pretty aggressive approach to watching emerging platforms from the governor's office, just to make sure that we're communicating with every audience in the state. 
And so we're constantly looking around to see how different platforms are doing. Not every platform is going to necessarily make sense. We did just get on Snapchat, uh, but the the Snapchats of the world are more entertainment focused. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be a more a platform we use in a more limited uh, under more limited circumstances. Our, our go-tos are still going to be Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. There's a lot of different types of content that we produce on a daily basis that fit pretty well, particularly in the story functions on all three of those mm. um, apps. And so uh, some of that also works on Snapchat as well, but there's a lot of limits to some of the more long form text type things that don't make any sense on platforms mm-hmm. like Snapchat that are, that are geared towards really short attention spans and limited text. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I, I think with all of that to uh, to what somebody said earlier, I think people are really craving the authenticity, especially after COVID when we've had a lack of human connection. So I think stories and story platforms or even Clubhouse where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm getting the real Gary Vee, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. People are really craving that. And actually um, TikTok is moving to three minutes soon. We'll have a three minute option very, yeah, very soon that's exciting. in their next update. So again, I think that's just where the market's moving. Yeah. Long form, um, but still authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A big piece. Um, so anything else for emerging platforms that we should talk about or should we move into fleeting attention? Let's, let's and do TikTok, it. I feel like is so obvious. It's, 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 I mean, it's almost the point of where it's not emerging anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, obvious. It's crazy. There's a massive attention there. And I mm-hmm. think you can grow very, very, very quickly. Uh, you can also grow very quickly on LinkedIn. Uh, there's emerging opportunities on existing mm-hmm. platforms, mm-hmm. but emerging platforms, Gab and Clubhouse, I would say are the two top two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so moving on to fleeting attention. So if you wanted to cover one more thing, there's actually one more thing we should cover. Mm. And that is the growing popularity of Substack and Twitter's new newsletter that they've put out a function that's mimicking mm. Substack. Oh. It's called review, mm. um, helping you it helps basically public figures and presumably businesses, although I haven't looked into that yet, monetize their newsletters. And so I think you're going to see those kinds of subscription services continue to take flight. Uh, There's all sorts of different newsletters out there right now that journalists are producing. You're even starting to see really niche newsletters around um, issues like Chinese politics that people are paying a $10 monthly subscription fee to get that information in their inbox four times a week. Mm -hmm. And people are building entire business models around that through Substack and you're seeing Twitter start to chase that with, and don't quote me on this, I think it's Review is the name of the new wow. uh, newsletter app that they released recently. Oh. And that's crazy because you think about before the internet, like newsletters were what it was. Like that's how copywriters, yeah. that's how everybody mm-hmm. yeah. reached everyone. And yep. now the fact that that's coming back in digital forum question. So from all of y'all's perspective, like how quickly do you think that this is going to make local and national news go bye-bye? slash do you think that's going to happen? Well, I think a couple of things about that. Number one, I think we're seeing these newsletters take flight for a couple of reasons. One is people are hungry for substance. They're hungry for information that they trust. Mm -hmm. And I also think we're starting to see people learn how to manage their email inboxes. For a while you started, you were seeing people like start new email addresses to try to avoid spam. And I think people have learned that's not always the best way to try to manage an email inbox over the long run. Hmm. And as people have learned how to manage what's coming in, they're learning how to, how to curate that information and Hmm. they're starting to bring in long form information into their email inbox via newsletters, whether it's subscription or you're seeing other 
types of free newsletters like The Hustle that are delivering mm. um, like yeah, 700 word pieces of content every morning in your inbox. Yeah. Mm. The Hustle. Um, there's one more. Uh, it's a cup of coffee. I can't remember which one that is. Yeah, I know. Uh, Morning one. Brew. Morning Brew. Yeah. Yeah. The Skim is also yep. a female focused yep. one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. And then I'm actually very happy you brought up Substack. Um, that. And then to, to kind of combine it with your question about local and national media outlets, mm-hmm. um, the I guess only person on Substack that I am aware of, um, Casey Newton is a venture capitalist journalist, and he he was at a traditional outlet and then went independent and is making all of his money through Substack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you subscribe to him because it's super niche. He knows his lane. And then he also has the connections that the, the content is also there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably something that, that is a trend that like media will continue to get democratized and it'll be like an individual as opposed to a, like a, a, a company that, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't think we're going to see the death of traditional media. Traditional media does need to adapt to these platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Washington, the Washington post is on TikTok. Um, and, um, like journalists have migrated to Twitter, like Taylor, um, already mentioned. Um, and the thing that you kind of hear journalists, the, the tone some of them take is we just want to print, ship newspapers. Like we just want to like we, we used to make so much money and then Facebook and Google have, have taken it all, which is true. But that's also like the world we live in. So adapt to the current environment as opposed to wishing that it was a different environment or die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and I think it's really cool. If you if you look around in even in Nebraska, you're going to see some of the most successful people or innovative people in the area of social media are journalists in rural communities. And there's entire media networks that have been set up in rural Nebraska mm-hmm. that uh, make use largely of social media. And they're also doing traditional print stuff. They're doing online stuff. They're doing stuff on Facebook as well. And those folks are going to be successful because they're delivering local information Mm. that's tailored to an audience that will pay for it and wants it and is reading it every week. Mm. Heard at also owns Hale Varsity, which is a Nebraska sports Mm. publication. And um, Aaron Sorensen is their deputy deputy editor. And she does an amazing job at being more than just the story that there's also tweets and there's also TikToks and, um, and all of those feed into the story, but there has to be more content around just the written word. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's a good subject. Glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. Um, last uh, last couple of things we're going to talk about here. We're going to cover fleeting attention and censorship, and then we're going to talk about our vision for the future of social media, which we talked a little bit about already. Um, so right now, fleeting attention. Uh, how does someone stay relevant on censored mediums that are controlled by a few major players? I think that's the question we are posing today. Uh, Taylor talked a little bit about diversification. And um, I would say, I would add to that and say getting first party data is your number one, like Mm -hmm. number one Mm. priority right now. Uh, For anybody who doesn't understand what that means, first party data is the information from people who are on Facebook and getting them to enroll in an email list with their first name, last name, email, phone number, so that on the off chance that, you know, these platforms do get way too censored, you have the ability to communicate through, say, if you built your own mobile app, um, you can always hop to a new platform and add those people through that. Um, and then you could obviously run ads against them in, in future platforms if it's a business related uh, venture. But I just wanted to like let you talk a little bit more about that as well from a censorship standpoint, because I guarantee that affects your day to day. 
Yeah. So I think a couple, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I think a couple (laughs) of the big things are number one, make sure you're not overly reliant on one platform. Uh, We've, you know, I think a lot of people are in the mindset that the legacy platforms that are the the giants in the industry right now will be around forever. They may be, we don't know. Mm -hmm. That hasn't always been true of social media platforms in the past. And so just looking at the big picture, make sure that you're diversified, make sure that you're staying ahead of the, of the next trend that you're getting on emerging platforms right away. Secondly, make sure you're cross promoting your platforms to your audiences on each platform. Not all the algorithms love that, but over time you're going to make sure that you're catching people that are in an audience on one platform on another. And then touching on what Landon said, I a hundred percent agree that you need to make sure that you're able to communicate directly with your audiences. Uh, whether, you know, Facebook and Twitter are great tools, but there's no limits on what you can do in email. There's um, no, lim- no limits on what you can do in certain other platforms. And the more you can do to make sure that you're using email newsletters or teletown halls or whatever it is to talk to your audiences, the better you're going to be in the long run and the more secure your communication is going to be in the long run with the people you care about. Mm-hmm. And texting, I think just yeah. overall, like mm-hmm. just direct messaging somebody on their cell phone is that's, that's kind of like home base, right? Yep. It's never going to go away. Um, you're never going to, I mean, we'll eventually have wearables that we won't need a cell phone anymore, but at the end of yeah, the day, we, you'll be attached to as well. Yeah. You'll, yeah. you'll be, uh, you'll be attached to a number of some sort. And I think that that's really just like the last, uh, the last thing that you can have to have kind of full, full capture of that audience. So mm-hmm. I feel like Megan has a lot of thoughts on this too. Oh, I was actually going to say Taylor did a great job and I don't have a lot of thoughts on this. I mean, I do, but I don't know how much we want to get into the specific censorship stuff. I just think people should be careful. And I think people, it, it's tough because like you, you want to be polarizing. That's how you build an audience. Um, but also I think just speak to the elephant in the room without getting too political, like just understanding that we are in a culture that is legitimately censoring free speech is kind of scary. So you just have to have your head on and understand that like we're submitting to somebody else's platform. And that, that brings up a lot of different conversations, you know, as business owners, we're like, okay, well, I have the right to own and operate my platform as I want to, but we're, we're coming into an age of monopoly where for the first time in our lives, like something literally is so big that it's even bigger than the government sometimes. And now mm-hmm. they're start, starting to make government level decisions for not just the American people, but our entire country. And that's something to be taken seriously, right? And that's why um, it's such a conversation right now. And, and I think we should be extremely mindful. And even if we're not in politics, it's something that um, I think censorship will make the common um, person who maybe never had an interest in politics possibly interested in, you know, lobbying for something or um, making sure that they're casting votes for what they particularly believe in, no matter what that is. Yeah, I um, I think this is an important conversation and very relevant to today. Um, and to just kind of touch on something Megan just said, that um, there's one street in Silicon Valley who, who controls what speech is acceptable for the entire world. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, Facebook in particular, from the start, they they said that, you know, they stood with free speech. And then, oh, three weeks ago or or, um, whenever the the Capitol riots and the the, the Trump incident happened, Mm -hmm. they, I guess, went back on that. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're like founding principle they they retracted on. And um, I think the fact that three major players – control that mm-hmm. is an issue. Um, and it also gets me excited to see all of these emerging platforms 
blow up and then go mainstream pretty quickly. Um, Cause like I, a year ago I had just downloaded TikTok and now, uh, you know, everyone's talking about it. And then Clubhouse has kind of fallen the same, same trajectory. And I think that is overall healthy. Mm-hmm. I think, I think just taking this out of the context of the United States and mm-hmm. looking at other countries sometimes helps us all think about this yes. and where this is going to go. And I think the future of social media is freedom, as I said before. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what happened in Hong Kong, when folks in Hong Kong were trying to take on the government, what did they do? They used Telegram, an app that they knew that was secure, mm-hmm. that was going to protect their speech, and that wasn't going to work with the government. And um, this isn't about Telegram. It's about the principles behind a given app yes. and that are guiding that application. And it's you know how it treats people and recognizes their dignity and the freedom that they have. And I think you're going to see people move to apps like that when they don't feel like they have that freedom and that their individual dignity or perspective or world worldview isn't being respected by that application. Yeah, because they don't, they don't feel like they have the ability to actually share. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. If you, I, I love what you said about like having dignity in it too. Like yeah. they they want the ability. We want the ability to have this conversation go outside of these four walls. That's what it's intended for. Yeah. It's intended mm-hmm. for someone yeah. to absolutely hear it, and it's intended to help them. And I think that's the, you, you made very, very good points with that. And yeah. you're getting into the vision of what you think social media is going to uh, gonna be. And I'd love to transition over to that as well. What do you think the vision is going to be like, Megan? Oh, putting me on the spot. Um, well, I think that it's going to continue to be a driving force of people's lives. I think it's, uh, you know, we had to, we watched the social, what's it called? Social Dilemma at Miss USA. And that really opened my eyes to even how it's affecting our micro decisions. That's kind of creepy and weird. Um, good friends of mine that I was just with last week actually lived next door to the maker of that documentary mm, we were talking about. Wow. They're like, oh yeah, he lives next door. And I was like, can we That's go cool. talk to him? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, cause I think a lot of times we like to live in this like blissful ignorance of like, I'm not being controlled by robots. I'm a free thinker. And uh, then you realize that like the ads that you see every day are affecting like what you purchase, what you wear, who you follow. And so I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how that trickles down into education. It'll be interesting to see how a lot of things going on in our country affect how people raise families. And um, I think that we're going to see social media bleed into other facets, other industries, because it it already is there. Right. Um, But you're going to have to be intentional about it. You're going to have to think about it. You're going to have to be use wisdom of how um, that realistically is like the, what am I trying to say? Like the way that social media, even in the things that we see on a daily basis, like the thousands upon thousands of images and advertisements and all these different things are literally like when I have kids one day, they're going to grow up in a completely different world than what I even grew up in. And I grew up with a phone, you know, I was one of the last generations, I think a lot of us were to kind of like half be in the digital world and half Mm -hmm, not. mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. like literally thinking about raising a family in this digital age with social media being everything, it almost feels like, okay, you know, do I give my kid a phone for security so I can call them when they're in middle school or do I not, you know, do I put them in public school where they have access to all these things or do I not? Like I never would have had those conversations with myself even five years ago. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has been stimulated by social media. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the future of social media is media. And for example, Mm. a year ago when that pandemic hit and everyone was stuck at home, I, we, uh, my family would plan our, our day basically around the governor's press conference and we would Mm. stream it on Facebook live. That's cool. That was just like around three o'clock, wasn't it? 
uh, the press conference would happen. You know the and exact we would, time. Don't be bashful. It was 2 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Did you really watch it? Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, you were right. You were almost right. <laughs> yeah. And we, 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 we streamed it on Facebook Live. And traditionally, 10 years ago, we would have had to wait for the 8 o'clock news and yeah. just heard the sound bites. Yeah. Um, and the environment, or the media environment has changed. The the governor's not going to stop holding press conferences. It'll just be, be distributed differently. And and that will happen, like Megan said, across almost every single industry. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that social media lacks is context. That mm. if you take something out of the, the uh, you can't fit the whole story into 240 characters. Mm-hmm. And mm. um, a lot of times people just read the 240 characters and then react and the reaction may not be aligned with their thoughts after getting the whole picture of the story. So the vision slash hope for hope for media consumption um, and like a lot of the frustrations, like the whole three players controlling free speech for the entire world. That's not really something I can do. Like I, I, I can do almost nothing about that, mm-hmm. but making sure I have a broader context of the, the things I'm consuming is very important and something that I hope people continue to do for uh, for years to come. Well put. It's about what you consume. That's yep. that's what defines mm-hmm. your experience mm-hmm. on social media. When So when you, I love it when people like complain about like what they see on social media. It's like, it's probably because you're a negative person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, it's probably what you're consuming already. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah. It's showing you more you're, of it. You're the, yeah. Exactly. It just feeds you more of what you want. That's what that yeah. documentary says. Yeah. So yeah. Like, literally. You want to yeah. be negative? Um, you know, Tony Robbins did a really good job explaining this. Of like happy people, like when when crisis hits, when nine eleven hit, happy people got happy, sad people got sad, and mm-hmm. like everyone, don't get me wrong, everyone got sad for a yeah. short period of time and for a period of time in general. But after that point, people went and continued on with their lives, being exactly who they were. People that were mad before stayed mad. People that were sad before stayed sad, mm-hmm. and the happy and the optimistic stayed optimistic and happy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a really good thing to think about in your daily life, that social media is no different. You put garbage in, you're going to get garbage mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. You look at garbage all day long, mm-hmm. all you're going to see is garbage. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same reason why I stopped watching the, like the mainstream news. Like, yeah. And like, I think there's a lot of people that have done a very similar thing, but you also can't bury your head in the sand. You need to be informed. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's just take that into account that it's it's what you're consuming that is largely deciding how you feel throughout your day. Well, and, it goes back to the the age old principle of you are the average of the five people you spend time with mm-hmm. and the five books you read and the and five sources of media you consume. Yeah, yeah. so and good. You're so the good. average of the five feeds you're watching. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, and you're scrolling yeah. through. And that's that's why I have hope though. Is we all get to decide how social media monetizes what they monetize mm-hmm. by making decisions about what we click on and making decisions on what we scroll through. And I, I think one of the resolutions I'm making for this year is once a quarter, I'm going to sit down, just put a reminder on my calendar. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to review where am I going on social media and what am I looking at? Good. Um, mm-hmm. So that way I'm in control of what what's popping up in my feed, that it's contributing positively to my self-development that is contributing positively to my spiritual life, whatever it is, whatever the goals are I want to meet. And I think if we all are more intentional about setting the parameters of what's popping up in our feeds and where we're spending time on the platforms, it'll shape the platforms over time because Mm -hmm. they're gonna wanna wanna serve up more of what we're asking it for. Mm. Um, But we have to ask for it if we want that. Well put. Dang, that was a really good ending. 
I think you just have the last clip. Okay, there you <laughs> yeah. go. No, I think that's, uh, does you guys have anything else to add to before we close this out? Cool. You got the last one. Really good job. That Thanks. was awesome. Um, guys, I appreciate you like tuning into this today. This is a really unique setup for all of us. We're all kind of uh, lone riders and sometimes we'll have one guest, um, you know, but like we rarely get in a room and kind of get four very public people um, behind microphones. So this is a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys obviously coming in and I appreciate the audience for listening. So yeah. what is it? Should I do keep striking? You guys have call to actions as well, like at the end of yours? No? <laughs> um, so if you know one of us, check everyone else out on social right. media and just kind of get fam uh, familiar with all of our work. Yeah, um, good call. Yeah, yes, yes. You had to put up one big graphic at the end that has like 16, <laughs> yeah. 16 yeah. tiles on it. Yeah. <laughs> of all of our logos yeah. together. I'll make sure and put it on something appealing like dark tan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, because design. Uh, but yeah, I'll make sure and uh, we'll, we'll link all this stuff in the episode. So um, yeah, make sure you go check out everybody else's podcast. Um, uh, the Nebraska Way podcast as well the, with the governor, what he's up to. And um, he's got some great stuff coming out about Nebraska business owners and just interesting people in Nebraska. So, um, but yeah, thanks for listening guys and have a great rest of your day.